hope your Christmas doesn't have as many interruptions as the Griswolds, but, uh, you know, Clark was wanting to have a perfect Christmas, and he wanted everything just right. He wanted everything perfect. And, of course, just like our Christmases, nothing goes right for, for Clark. And, uh, y'all, today I want to start a special three-week series called, uh, uh, this, this message is called Surviving the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, but it fits within a canon of messages called uh, Christmas in the Real World, because in the real world it never looks like TV unless you are one of the Griswolds. You know, that looks like our life, absolutely. Uh, but what, what do we do when things don't go right? What do we do when interruptions happen? What do we do when all of our best laid plans kind of go up in smoke? What do we do when we've made all these spectacular, detailed uh, uh, plans, but, but nothing works out right? Well, y'all, I'm, I'm looking at the first Christmas 2,000 years ago, and I'm going to be honest with you. Man, their, their Christmas was rough. Nothing seemed to like go towards their plan. I want to look at that this morning. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. It's in Matthew 1, 18 through uh, 25. And by the way, the, 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 uh, the trees and the wreaths, thank you so much, Linda. Thank you so much, uh, Brendan. Thank you so much for Megan and Sandy. Uh, thank you. Anybody else, Mr. Schaefer? Is that it? Thank you guys so much for doing that. The Bible says this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mama, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. They were engaged, but they've not come together. They had not been intimate. She was found to be with child, though, through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph was her husband, he was a righteous man, he didn't want to expose her, embarrass her publicly. Uh, so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, he took a nap, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what's conceived in her, the baby that is inside of her, has been conceived by the Holy Ghost. She will give birth to a son, and you, Joseph, you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins, including you, Joseph. The virgin will be with child, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to his son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, and he did exactly what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, took Mary home to be his wife, and they had no, but he had no union with her. He did not lay with her. There was no biblical knowledge going on. There was no consummation of the relationship. And I'm going to explain a little bit about that because in the Jewish, uh, in the Jewish life, there is called a kiddushin. And that's, that's the betrothal, that's the engagement. We're going to look at what that means here in a little bit. Uh, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to his son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Y'all, the first Christmas had its share of stressors. Just like your Christmas is going to have its share of stressors. What I would like to put inside of your spirit for the next three weeks is just some things that can help you deal with the stressors of Christmas in the real world. I want to give you survival tips today real quick uh, that will help you through the most wonderful time of the year. The first survival uh, tip is this. Expect your best laid plans to be interrupted. Expect your best laid plans to not go as planned. The first survival tip is that. Matthew 1.18 this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Have you ever planned a wedding? Have you ever, whether you're a mother or a mother-in-law or future mother-in-law or a daughter or, or, or a groom, whatever it would be. Man, weddings are tough. I mean, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of work and parts, a lot of moving parts involved with the wedding. And that's exactly what these folks were doing. Uh, they were making plans for their wedding. In the Jewish faith, in the Hebrew marriage custom, there are two different stages to the engagement. All right, let's say Miss, Miss Pam and I got married. That is uh, uh, engaged. That is the Kiddushin. It is a 12-month period, and although we are engaged, we're not living together as man and wife. We're engaged, but we have not consummated the relationship. We're engaged. Now today, if we want to break off that engagement, I just say, I break with thee, I break with thee, and 
Off she goes, you know, or off I go. But back in the day, the Kiddushin, if Miss Pam and I were engaged and were a Jewish couple in the first century, we would have to get a legal divorce. It's not just as simple as putting a post on Facebook. I'm no longer with him or I'm no longer with her. He's back on the market or she's back on the market. This was a legal thing because during that 12 month, you were testing each other's integrity. You were testing each other's dependability, faithfulness, um, uh, all those things. You know, if you were going to cheat in that first year and you're not even married, then, you know, I'm not going to be married to you. It was a big deal. Today, it's not that big of a deal. And then the next thing was, was, was called the hoopah. They went through 12 months of the kiddushin, then they had the hoopah, which was the wedding. That's where they're underneath the great big awning. That's where they break the glass and the napkin and things like that. Then they go uh, be together. They consummate the relationship. Mary and Joseph were in the kiddushin. They were in that 12-month period. They were picking out the rabbi and reception halls. They were picking out colors, and they were picking out all those things the way a good Jewish couple would do. Joseph was planning on marrying his sweetheart. He's drawing up plans for a new house. He's crafting their, their marital bed. He's a carpenter by trade. He's got big plans. He's got, every, he's got a sunroom picked out for Mary. Got great plans he's going to do. Can you imagine? This 15-year-old Mary, given, uh, going to marry her, her, her beau, 20-something-year-old fiancé, Joseph. Man, Joseph is there talking floor plans. And he says, honey, I want you to come over to the house. I've got some carpet samples I want you to see and see which ones you want, honey. And, you know, Joe has all this planned out, has a nice little supper plan for her. Mary comes over. He's saying, honey, this is the, this is the bedroom plan. Isn't that cool? I put, this, I put the window over here so it wouldn't wake you up in the morning. It's going to be beautiful. And Mary comes to this dinner thinking, dude, i got to how am I going to tell my fiance I'm pregnant? And so while well, maybe Joseph's going through all these plans that he's made, Mary says, hey, Joe, I love you, and I need to tell you something. I'm pregnant. What do you think Joseph would have thought? Joseph had not been with her. Dude, you want to talk about somebody who would have been mad and irate? You want to talk about somebody who would not have understood what was going on, somebody that would not have understood the situation, somebody who was making plans, and all of them come crashing down. We always think about Mary, but man, you've got to think about Joe too. You want to talk about the world's best stepdad. And some of you are the world's best stepdad. You stepped in when the real father didn't step up. And that is a blessing from God for those babies and to your wife. God bless you guys for the, uh, being the good stepfathers that you are. You know, if I was Joe, I would have said, well, honey, I, I, let's call the whole thing off. If I can't trust you now, there's no way I can trust you later. And that's kind of what he basically did. And once again, he was a good guy. He was a right guy. He didn't want to embarrass her. He said, well, I'm going to do it quietly. I'm not going to do it right here in the middle of town. I'm going to do it away so I don't embarrass you. Y'all, short of divorce, death, and dismemberment, I would say that very few of our holiday plans will be monkeyed up the way these folks were. No matter who comes to our house, even if it's Uncle Eddie, these folks' Christmas was interrupted. Church, if God interrupted Joseph and Mary's wedding plans, my Christmas plans don't have a shot. They're not off limits to God. In, in fact, not just Christmas plans, but any plan I make is not off limits to God. He can interrupt and interject His plan anytime He wants to. In church, we can make plans on top of plans on top of plans. But at the end of the day, our plans may, need, may not be what God had planned for us. The Bible says this in James chapter 4, verse 13 through 15. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why do you not even know that what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? Man, your life is a vapor. It's a mist. Gone one second, uh, here one second, gone the next. Here for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll live and do this or that. You see, church, in our lives there's two sets of plans. There's our plans and there's God's plans. And when our plans 
don't match with God's plans, this has been my experience, God's plans will always get done. Even if he's got to take me out of the way to do it. Even if he's got to set me down to do it. Even if he's got to knock me down to do it. God's ways are going to get done. Um, back in 1998, Pam and I had not started pastoring here yet. We were, uh, I was 28, you were 37, and we had tried so long. She is older than me. She is older than me. 18 months. But It's not my fault you were a cradle robber. My mama called you that. All right. Uh, no, lying. Back in 1998, Miss Pam and I tried for four years to have a child. And man, it just did not have any. It just didn't happen for us. And uh, Pam decided to go back to school, become a teacher. Um, and she uh, uh, starts going into the education degree there at Southeastern in Hammond. And I graduated in 96 from seminary. And we were just kind of, man, we knew we were going to, we wanted to come back to the Midwest. We just we weren't in a big hurry. Uh, I'm up in a tree stand. I think it's October 17th or something like that. And um, this was back in the day when cell phones were about that big. Hello? Pam was in the middle of her student teaching at Champ Cooper. Is that right? And I, you know, I thought she was saying, you know, they offered me a job or it's having a good day, blah, blah, blah. I picked up that phone and she said, Mike, I'm spotting. And I thought, okay, what do we do now? So, I mean, I get out of the tree, the hunt's over, I go home, to go to the doctor. They put her on full bed rest and whatnot. She's in bed for about a week, and she comes into the living room, and uh, she's between the doorway between the living room and another room, and her water breaks. The baby's about 20 weeks, 20, 19 weeks. Maybe, baby, how how, we, how many weeks were you into it? You were 17 weeks into it. Okay. Um, go to the doctor, say, well, you want to abort the baby? What do you want to do? Okay. And man, you know, life's kind of hitting the fans. Uh, Pam had just had her birthday. And we, 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 you know, you're not going to abort a kid. And so uh, we're just going to, in fact, we said we're going to let God take care of it if she, if she makes it great, if... You know, if she doesn't, then she's God's. Can you guys hear me okay? Okay. Um, our anniversary is December 11th. Hmm? 14th. <laughs> December 13th, we're in a hospital, and Pam gives birth to Kaylee. She lives for a minute. And this December 14th, December 13th, day before our anniversary. I get those two dates mixed up. Um, you know, 20, 20 plus years after the fact, it still hurts. Because I can tell you what we were planning on. We had our nursery painted. We had all of our blankets and onesies. We had all the stuffed animals. Foot. We even had the outfit she was going to come home from the from the hospital in. (laughs) 
And I remember flying home to bury her. And everybody on that plane was going home for Christmas. And our baby's in the belly of the plane. And it was in 1998 God taught us that he can interrupt our plans in our lives anytime he wants. Anytime. Can I tell you something? Twenty years after that baby's been dead, she's still ministering to people. I don't want I don't know what you've been planning in your life. And I don't know what plans you made that didn't work out. But God has a wonderful plan for you that's better than any broken heart and bigger than any broken heart you've ever had or ever will have. It may be tough getting there, but trust him. Hey, what's your options? Trust yourself? I don't trust myself with a remote let alone my life. As we came home and we buried her, our plans had become from being parents to grievers. We had changed our focus from buying easy bake ovens and Raggedy Ann and Andy and stuff like that and a lot of pink. Instead, the only pink that we saw on that holiday was the flowers on the casket church your best laid plans are subject to interruption but can I tell you something that is not always entirely a bad thing number two the second survival tip that can help you make it through the most wonderful time of the year is this try to get God's take on the inter- try to get God's take on the interruption you know I look at Joseph and I admire him and for the longest time I didn't get him because I thought it was a weird situation a 15 year old girl with a 60 year old man that was always creeped me out uh, but come to find out he, he probably wasn't that much older you know I mean back in the day I mean y'all probably knew people who got married at 15 and 19 I'm not saying it was right I'm just saying it's what happened Joseph wasn't a creep he was a man of God And if I was Joseph, you know, my gut instinct would have said, baby, you got to go. I'm not staying with you. And this is what old Joe did. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. He didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to disgrace her. He didn't want to damage her for anybody else. He knew her life was going to be hard enough. You know, Joe could have done all that and disgraced her socially. Had her executed, actually, if you want to go back to the Old Testament. But this is what he did. He, 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 He chose to divorce her. And then... He goes to sleep. Now, remember what the point is. Try to get God's take on the interruption. Try to see what God's doing. But after he had considered this, he had thought about it, he had pondered it, he had, he had, he had dwelt on it, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Here's the amazing thing. This is what I think he was doing. He was praying about it. He goes to sleep and God talks to him. That's what I think happened. I can't prove that. That's just my uh, speculation. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. What do you think he was contemplating before he went to bed? 
Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son. Not just any son. You're going to give birth to him and his name is going to be Yahshua. Because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill. All this took place to do what God wanted to do. All this took place so God's will would be done. So God's plans would be accomplished. He got up and you know what he did? He said, alright man, it's on like Donkey Kong. And you know what he did? He did the right thing. Church, who named Jesus? Who named Jesus? Joseph was on board. He says, honey, I'm on team Mary and Joe. I'm on Marjo. We're together in this thing and I'm with you and Jesus. We're going to go the whole way. I'm not leaving. You're not leaving. We're going to raise this kid in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I don't understand it all, but I trust Him. I trust Him. Church. Joseph got to marry his sweetheart and he was honored to be the stepfather of Jesus. Pretty good resume. I want you to consider God's take on the situation. I want you to consider God's take the way Joseph did in verse 20. Church, lots of us won't even consider God's hand when things go off the rails. Lots of us won't even consider God's hands when things don't go as planned. In fact, this is what we'll do. God, how come you let my plans get shattered? Why did you let my plans get changed? That's what I do. Don't you know how much time I spent planning this? And you know what God says to me? Yeah, how many times did you come to me to ask? And so what God is telling Joseph, Joe, my plans are different than yours. My plans are different than what you want to do. All Joseph could see was his dashed plans, next ideas, and disappointments, and defeat, and failure. But God told him what this situation was really like, and he embraced it. Church, when there are things that happen to you, and you want to get God's perspective, let me give you three little tips that can help you do this. Three quick tips that can help you get God's perspective when plans get interrupted. Number one, these are not hard. They all start with the P. I'm a Baptist preacher. We have to do everything with alliteration. That's the way we're trained. Number one, Pray. You know what, there's this real short Bible verse in 1 Thessalonians, and you, know, you, can rec- you can memorize this before you leave. Pray. That's, that's the verse. That's it. Ain't no more. Pray continuously. Alright, when things go off the track, pray continuously. When your heart gets broke, pray continuously. When the boss says we're going to let you go, pray continuously. When somebody pops in you didn't expect, Pray continuously. Church, James 5.13. If any of you is in trouble, he should pray. If anybody is happy, turn that prayer into a praise. Your prayer starts with this thing and it will end with this thing. You've got to start by praying. Number two, you've got to get an issue of perspective. Church, say perspective. Put an interruption, put the interruption in proper perspective. How bad is the interruption? How bad does your life become now that this plan has fallen through? I mean, is somebody going to die? Is somebody, is it going to change the world? I think lots of times we put a hundred dollars worth of worry on a five dollar problem. Lots of the stuff we worry about typically doesn't happen, doesn't play out as bad as we ever intended it to or we thought it would. I looked at these 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 notes were old. These like twenty two thousand and two. Back in uh, back when we were down in Louisiana, our church, Wardline Baptist Church, had a softball team. There was a little boy by the name of Get Get Garvin. Garvin search with the Jeeves, an odd name. Garen. Uh, Garen, Garen, uh, 17, 18 year old kid, senior in high school. I can't remember if he played left field or shortstop. Good kid. Uh, watched him. Well, we were there at Wardline for seven, eight years. Saw him. Saw him from ten years on up. Um, Got his, got his girlfriend pregnant, Chris. And uh, mom and dad freaked out. Her mom and dad freaked out. He solved the problem with 12-gauge shotgun slug. 
that boy that he thought was just going to ruin the world, ruin his life, in his third year of college. He was worried about embarrassments, mom and dad. Can I tell you something? I, I, you know, if you find yourself in that position, your mom and dad still love you. And they're going to take you in. And they're going to be proud of that baby. You know why? Because your mom and dad are good moms and dads. And they love the Lord. You know, God can use anything for his glory. Even, even my mess-ups, he'll use them. Even your mess-ups. He'll use him. I told you about Garen because of this. He thought that this problem was going to change his whole life. It was going to make his life miserable. It wouldn't have. He missed it. And I'm so scared that people will they make a catastrophic decision that cannot be undone all over a problem that will not last. A permanent solution to a temporary problem. None of that's in the notes, but I just got to assume somebody needs to hear that this morning. Luke 12, 22 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you all, don't you worry about your life, what you're going to eat, about your body, what you're going to wear. Who of you will worry, uh, worry can add a single hour to your life? Church, we can worry and worry and worry and worry and worry. It won't change anything. You know why? Because God's on the throne and He's in control. Nothing changes that. And if we really believe that, I mean, if we really believe that God's on the throne and He's in control, then what am I worried for? You know, either I do or I don't. Providence. Pray, perspective, and providence. Church, I believe that God is in control. I believe that He even numbers the hair on our heads, Jeffrey. Deuteronomy 32, 4. He's the rock. His works are perfect. All of His ways are what? Dude, ain't never messed up. A faithful God who does, not even one time, upright and just as He. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts, God's saying, hey, Mike, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I believe that. And if God's ways are better than mine, and his thoughts are higher than mine, then what am I worried about? Psalm 145, 17. The Lord is righteous in every stinking one of his ways. There's not one time that he's not righteous. And what that means is, what's righteous means, this is an easy way to remember, it means he's never wrong. He's always Right? He's never wrong. And that's what our Bible says that our Father is. He is a God that is always right. Nothing can happen to us without God knowing about it because He is sovereign and He's omniscient. Um, this is what happens. We get into a situation like that. Our plans break through and we don't get a proper perspective. We make a knee-jerk reaction. Have you ever made a knee-jerk reaction and made things worse by the reaction or what you said? Um, Instead of getting all the information and trying to get the right perspective, instead of taking our time, let me give you an illustration to help you understand this. Miss Monroe had five children. She goes to the grocery store, she comes home, and usually that thing is a jungle, you know, inside the house. Kids yelling and screaming, running through the house. She gets in there, and man, you go to the house, and it's quiet. You know something's wrong. Ain't a peep coming out of the house. She goes in the living room and she sees all five of her kids huddled around in a circle. She says, oh my goodness, this cannot be good. She goes over there and she's, she looks at over the top of her kids and inside that circle there are five skunks, little baby skunks rolling around there in that floor. Well, mama's freaking out, you know. She says, children, run! All the kids freak out. Every single one of them get up as quick as they can and they reach up and they grab that little skunk with them as they head off. 
And before mom could start spouting names, she says, Children, run! Skunks do not like to be squoze. Squeezed. Squozing. They don't like to be squozing. And sure enough, boy, as soon as they took off and mom's freaking out. Now church, that seems to what happens to lots of us when things don't go right. We operate with a knee-jerk reaction and we squeeze the skunk. We're mad, we're angry, we're disappointed, we're hurt, we're confused, we're frustrated. And if we would have prayed, got some perspective, and realized God's providence, we would have never acted the way we did or responded the way we did. Church, when we face interruptions and dash plans, we've got to be careful not to squeeze the skunk. Don't let your feelings and your emotions play the day. Pray, perspective, and providence. Church, our life doesn't always go as planned. Chances are the first Christmas didn't go as planned, and neither are yours. Y'all, we looked at two survival tips that could help us through the most wonderful time of the year. Number one, expect your plans to be interrupted. You might have done a really good job. Martha Stewart level type of organization for your, for your Christmas. It may not work. And that's okay. Know this. Get God's take on your interruption. Maybe God's trying to do something. Maybe God's wanting to interrupt your plans to let His plans come into play. I hope you'll see dashed Christmas plans as an opportunity for spiritual growth. I hope you'll see your interrupted plans as a way to grow your faith. You have two choices. Number one, you can let, uninterrupt, you can let interrupted plans surprise you, get you down, frustrate you, rob you, blind, uh, blind you, keep you miserable, or you can realize that your plans may be not God's plans. And God is trying to work His plans when He interrupts your plans. Church, what can you do to survive for the next three weeks or four weeks until we get to Christmas? Last story I'm going to tell you. Uh, this is by Gary Richland, a view from a zoo. Uh, Gary worked in a zoo, and uh, he said one of the most incredible things he ever saw was the birth of a giraffe. He says, you know, that mama giraffe's standing there, and you know, her old high ender's about 10 foot off the ground. And when she's, she's given birth to that baby giraffe, the first thing that, that pokes out of that birth canal is that, that head and those hooves of that, of that giraffe. And so it's just sticking out. And after the, uh, after the end of the labor, that, that baby giraffe falls 10 foot to the ground, flat on its back. That's a fine how do you do, you know. And so the, the giraffe will stick her head down, make sure that it has all of its giraffe fingers and toes or whatever, you know. And then Gary said that this, this mama giraffe will do something incredibly mean. It will swing that long pendulous leg out and knock that giraffe over. That baby giraffe. Been in the world about five minutes. Giraffe, little baby giraffe shakes itself off and it's not even stood up yet. You know, it kind of staggers a little bit and gets on its side. and It, it gets upright again and just kind of laying. Mom swings that leg out again, Priscilla. Knocks it over. And this keeps going on, Paul, until this little baby giraffe is literally exhausted. And that mama giraffe will continue to do that until the baby giraffe will finally beat all its exhaustion. Overcome all of its it's stress. And when that mama knocks that baby over for the last time and it can stand up as quick as it can, then the mother begins care 
And then the mother will give love. And for us, that seems so cruel that that mother would do that. But the reason it does that, the reason the mother does that, is because the mother does not want that baby giraffe to forget how to get back up after it's fallen down. Because every day in the jungle, there are animals out there who want to kill that baby as soon as it wakes up. And as long as it can stay with the giraffe herd or with the great numbers, there's safety there and there's protection there. But the moment that that little giraffe gets by itself, if it can't keep up with everybody else, it will put itself in the line of the enemy. Church, your plans, your situation... Your troubles, your problems, your struggles. You might feel like that God is knocking you down. You may feel like that God is taking the wind out of your sail. You may feel like that God is, is, is maybe He's swinging His leg and, and trying to knock. Maybe you feel like He's knocking you over when you're trying to stand up. But church, can I tell you something? I want you to consider this. God's trying to teach us something. God's trying to show us something. Because we may need it down the road. We may need it later. Church, your best laid plans are still yours. I don't know about you. My best laid plans don't always work. But I serve a God whose plans have never failed. And He won't fail you. If He fails you, it'll be the first time He's ever failed in, in, in creation's history. You'll be the first. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Friend, today, maybe you've come here today and you're broken. And you're struggling. And you're barely holding on. And today God has brought you here by divine appointment and He said, He was talking to you. That message was for you. And today, maybe those words of God, maybe they were just like streams of water to a dry, thirsty soul. Today, God spoke to you. Today, the Holy Spirit revealed something to you. Today, you, you had the Holy Spirit whisper something into the ear of your heart, the ear of your spirit. And He's encouraged you. Maybe today you're walking out of here with some tools that you didn't have in your spiritual workbox before you came in here today. But I want you to leave here today knowing that there are, there are ways to make it through the most wonderful time of the year. So every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Maybe today you know that this is going to be a rough three weeks or four weeks. This is going to be a rough time for you or maybe your family, you and your children as you go through this holiday season. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. I'm not going to do any of that. But I... Just by a simple show of hands, if you'd say, hey, preach, I'd appreciate if you would just simply pray for me and my family over this next month because things aren't going real well in our life right now. And, and we just want to make sure that we thank you. Hands are all over. Anybody else? You can just put them up and write, wow. You can put them up and write back down. Anybody else? You can put them up and write back down. Thank you, buddy. Anybody else? You can put them up and write back. Amen. Thank you, honey, in the back. Thank you. Thank you in the back, honey. Anybody else? Lord God, today just want to be very careful to give you praise and glory for you're a good God. God, there's none like you and you've never failed us. 
So, Lord, I pray for these families that have lifted their hands because they represent kids and they represent moms and dads and grandmas and papas and they, they represent homes. So, Lord, I pray, for their, I pray for their deliverance. I pray for their healing. I pray for their hope and I pray for their peace. God, you are the God of peace. And I pray for your strength to be upon them. It's in Jesus' name I pray.